Welcome to Yard Podcast to the Birmingham Post. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So first of all, my wife Liz is going to read some Bible to us. I'm going to be reading from the book of James, unsurprisingly. Um, first of all, chapter 1, verse 26, and then jumping over to chapter 3. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be more judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Awesome. It's great to be here. Hello, everyone. Jao Son, good morning. It's great to be here. Um, It's always fun speaking at a church that you've never spoken at before because you never quite know what's going to happen. There's a story that is told of a young evangelist who was invited to go to a church as a guest speaker. And he got to the front of the church and he gave this amazing, powerful talk about the power of God to work in every situation. He was really enthusiastic and said, God can do all sorts of things in your lives and I would love to pray with you after the service. And after the service, a woman came up to him and said, I'd really love for you to pray for my hearing. And the evangelist said, fantastic. He put his hands on the woman and said, God, come in power. Bring hearing to her ears. We cast out the spirit of deafness. 
open up her ears. And he looked at her and said, how's your hearing? And she said, it's on Tuesday at 9.30. We're still not quite there with slides. Um, these verses that, I've, that I'm preaching on this morning are challenging verses. There's no way around this. Um, it'd be nice to have a nice, fluffy, easy sermon, but these are, these are tricky words. Um, in the middle of that passage, it says that your tongue is like a fire which destroys everything. Okay, in a, this, this, These are challenging words and challenging verses. So what I want to do is just explain a few things of where I'm going. First of all, the reading we've just heard was chapter 1, verse 26, and then chapter 3, which is a bit strange. Um, to me, the book of James is a bit like watching the news on TV. When you watch the news, you have the headlines, and then you go back and you do the reports in more detail. And James chapter 1 is like the headlines, and then the things get picked up um, in more detail as we go on through the rest of the, rest of the book. Um, these verses are about things that we say, the language of the tongue is used, but actually there's more to it than that. Um, the, the word heart is used in the, in the Greek of chapter 1, verse 26. The word heart is there. It's not in the translation we've heard, but it is there. Um, and in later in James chapter 3, there's talk about wisdom, your mind. And so actually, I'm going to talk about controlling our tongues. That's the challenge of the passage. Um, but actually, there's quite a lot of stuff about our heads and our hearts as well. Because if you've ever tried to keep your tongue under control, I'm suggesting you've probably failed. And actually, chapter 3, verse 2 says, we've all messed up. We've all not got this right. We've all said things that we didn't want to say. And perhaps we've not said things that we, that we should have said. Um, everyone falls short. Now, some of you might be thinking, some of, sometimes we slip into the trap of thinking the person on the stage with the microphone has got it all sorted out. Let me tell you, I have not got it all sorted out. I mess up in this area. I am preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else here. Um, and if any of you thinks that I am perfect, my wife is on hospitality. Chat to her over coffee and she will make it very clear to you that I'm not perfect. Um, I'm going to be giving some quite practical suggestions for, for our speech and how we can control our tongues. But I want to make it very, very clear. First of all, we, we try to do good things in this life, not to earn God's love, but because God loves us first. It's really, really important. Um, and there's going to be some things you might feel challenged by in this sermon, but actually God loves us first. And secondly, if you try to change yourself and change your own life, you will get somewhere, but probably not that far. But Christianity is a religion that changes people's lives because of the power of God, because of the Holy Spirit living in us. There may be things in this talk which are going to challenge you, that might trigger things in you. I want to say from the word go, we're going to have a response time afterwards. The sermon will, will, will come to an end. There'll be a bit of a time to worship God and there'll be a time to pray together, to, um, to chat with each other. And if something triggers inside of you, if you think, feel challenged or convicted by God in some way, um, we'd love to pray with you. I don't want anyone to feel condemned. We've all fallen short in this, but actually there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So if you do feel challenged, we'd love, love to pray with you. But there's no getting around it. This is a 
sort it out talk. Um, the, 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 the title of the sermon is Watch What You Say. Um, I was chatting to Jeff a, a few weeks ago, and Jeff said he was tempted to call the sermon Sort Your Life Out. I mean, this is, it's, it's straight up stuff, so there's nowhere to hide from it. So, um, in, the, in, in the passage, um, I'm going to suggest that when it comes to controlling our tongues and our words, there are three things, okay? We need to address the fruit, the shoot, and the root. Okay, it's kind of a gardening analogy, okay? And I'm going to say that the words that come out of our mouths are like the fruit. They're the end product. But actually, if we want to get control over our tongues, we need to look at what's going on deeper. We need to look at the shoots and the growth in our life, and we need to go deeper to the roots underneath the surface, okay? So I'm going to suggest that um, anyone that's tried to bite their tongue, you know, that bite your tongue, that's saying count to 10, it's just really, really hard to do. But actually, if we want to speak words that honour God, that build people up, then we need to um, look at what's going on inside us. And I want to encourage us to develop holy habits and healed hearts. Okay? If you've got your copy of James, uh, a Bible with you, if you've got the uh, app on your phone, please do get it out. Just to say that will help follow where we're going with this. We're in James chapter 3, um, but quite a lot of this is quite personal to me. Um, I'm guessing there are people here, you've all said stuff, said things we don't want to say. And for me, um, there was a time before I was a Christian, um, when, I was, when I was about 14, and I learnt the language of the playground. I learnt the language of the football pitch. Um, I learnt the language of the music that I was listening to, which was not always the best language, okay? Um, not always, um, often, often offensive in various different ways. Age 15, gave my life to Jesus properly. Filled with the Holy Spirit, God began to change my life. Christianity is about, there's an element of change in it. God's Holy Spirit changes us. I was challenged by um, a youth leader who said, I needed to, when he said, when I was a teenager, I needed to sort out my words. And I was challenged by this. And I did what most people try to do, was I tried to change and failed, um, quite simply. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, I began to change my vocabulary. And most of us, we have set words that we use, set expressions. We don't compose every sentence. We often say things by default. And I began looking for substitute expressions to change the way that I speak. Now, I'm still not perfect, but in a period of time when I was a teenager, I went from not having the greatest use of words and being fairly offensive to being far, far better in what I said. In those heat-of-the-moment incidents, I was able to say something that was perhaps politer rather than something that was ruder. So our first sort of challenge is to some of us to think about our words and our expressions. And this needs to be ongoing. We live in a world where words change meanings, and we want to be, we want to be able to be very careful about what we say. The second challenge to controlling our tongue, another personal one, is replaying conversations in our heads. I don't know if you do this, I do this. If I've had an awkward conversation with someone or an argument, later that day, that conversation will be going through my head repeatedly. I don't know if you do this. It tends to go one of two ways. Sometimes I replay the conversation and I work out what I could have said that was politer, that was more encouraging, that was clearer. 
But most of the time, what happens in my head when I replay the conversation is I win the argument. I destroy that person. I am the best at one-upmanship. They are silenced forever and I win. They have been put down by me. I, have, I, I, I win. Game over. And it's a dangerous game to play. It's not what we should be doing. Sometimes I've ended up in a conversation with that person and I have said something, having even spent time ruminating and thinking about it. I want to say if we want to control our tongues, then those conversations in our minds, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we take every thought captive and submit it to the mind of Christ. What is God saying about our thought patterns? If we can get our thinking, thinking right, and this isn't easy, Okay, but let's have those moments when you're replaying those conversations of thinking of what God might want us to say. My third practical example, uh, talking to other drivers and other road users. Um, I remember there was a time in my life where I would be behind the wheel or possibly even riding my bike and I would have a constant conversation with everybody else who was on the road. I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, I, don't know, I wasn't a full-on road rage, but I was in constant conversation. And I remember when our eldest daughter was very small in the, in, the, in the car seat next to me, and I thought, I don't want my children to hear this. I've got to stop this. Um, and so I thought, right, I'm going to practice the art of silence whilst driving. And that's just something that, that came to me when I was preparing this as a challenge. And I am a bit more peaceful behind the wheel. Not perfect. I still have my moments, but much, much better than I was. My fourth point on in, inside our heads for controlling our tongues. Um, this passage is about the tongue and what we say. I think it's appropriate to apply it slightly more broadly, uh-huh, slightly more broadly um, in, in today's society. In, um, obviously, we still speak words, but nowadays... What we type is important. What we put on social media, what we put on on the school WhatsApp message. If you've ever been on a a parent's WhatsApp group and you've seen the things that go in those. um, Back when the Bible was written, when the book of James was written, most people couldn't read. And James did not write in this passage, be careful what you write on WhatsApp. But I think if if James was writing now, he would say this. And my advice I've been given is this. Don't send emails when you're angry. Okay, so it's a real challenge to me with my words. Um, so this is, this, this is what I've kind of learned to do. Someone sends you an email. You read it, and it makes me cross. Okay? Click to open up the email. Remove the recipients first. That's important in case you accidentally press send. And then you can write out your response and try to make it as nice as you can. Click save, go home. Next day, you come back into work. Then you can read that email again with fresh eyes and think, oh, maybe the way I wrote that when I was cross yesterday wasn't quite the best way. Maybe you might need to get a colleague to say, can you just read this email and check out the tone of this email? It's helped me so much, not sending emails in the spur of the moment. And it's, we live in like an instant culture, don't we? Everyone's got the internet in their pocket. Everyone expects like an instant response. Actually, it's okay to give it a little bit of, little bit of time. Um, and we've been um, on a series on James, and James has so much to say about this. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, um, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Easier said than done, isn't it, that one? Quick to listen and slow to speak. 
But there are some, some practical thoughts there on sort of what's in our heads and helping us to control our tongues. Um, Jesus has some stuff to say about this. I've talked about the, the fruit, our words, our shoots, our minds, but actually we, we want to go deeper. Um, our next verse, our next slide, um, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, uh, 45, I think it is, um, the good person produces, uh, uh, out of the good treasure of their heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. This is a verse that's in Luke and Matthew. From the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. We have, our tongues often are not controlled by our heads. Stuff comes out from, from deep inside. And I've got sort of a couple of applications from this. The first one, this summer I've been reading books on emotional intelligence. You may have come across this, this concept. Um, it's kind of business theory, leadership theory. The idea being that actually we can increase our understanding of our emotions. Um, uh, if you have a better understanding of empathy, you'll be better at working with people. If you have a better understanding of other people's moods and feelings, if you understand your own emotions, then you will be better. Because actually, quite often, you feel upset about something, you say something you shouldn't say. Um, and that the challenge here is, for me, I've realised that there are certain situations that make me more likely to say something I shouldn't have said, which are tiredness, uh, time pressure, yeah, if there's a deadline, I'm more likely to say something stupid, being in a confined space, um, and also doing more than one thing at the same time. Um, now, there have been a couple of scenarios recently I can share with you. Um, we went away on holiday, we went to France. Um, we'd uh, driven down the night before, got up early to get our ferry, so I was tired. Um, we had the pressure of getting through the customs and uh, getting through our passport checks and me being on time for the ferry. So there was deadline pressure. We were in the car, in a confined space. Where do most arguments happen, by the way? I've heard this said, often in the car, confined space, bit of pressure. Um, doing more than one thing at once, managing the children in the back of the car, dealing with passports. And guess who, guess who may have said something he shouldn't have said at eight o'clock in the morning? Did I learn from my mistake? No, I did not, because one week later, we were coming back from France. We'd driven for five hours through France, so we were tired. We were concerned about missing the ferry again. It's abnormal fear of missing flights and ferries. We were in the car, we were in a confined space. Too many things in my head. Uh, Liz says to me, can you just check the information in the green folder? I say, what green folder? She says, the green folder that I gave you that should be in the front of the car. Boom, goes Peter Cooper at that moment in time. Um, it's so easily done. But actually, I can control some extent, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can be aware of when I'm tired. I can be aware of my deadlines. I can be aware of being in a confined space and try to get out of that. Peter Cooper, do one thing at a time. Do one thing at a time. Try not to multitask. You can't do it. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Um, so that's the first, first point there. Understanding our emotions can help us. Um, if you've got your Bible open, James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, you might notice in your translation there are two different... Uh, the word salt is used. In Greek, there's actually two different words there that have been translated as salt. As salt. 
In verse 12 is the uh, regular word for salt. In verse uh, 11, though, there's a word that has the sense of bitterness to it. Um, And in verse 14 as well, we get this word bitterness that appears. I guess you may have been there or you may have seen someone that's been there. Maybe in conversation, something has touched a raw nerve and there's been this reaction. Something has come out of someone. They've said something they didn't want to say. And you think, where did that come from? What sort of deeper thing is going on? Um, If we have bitterness, if we have unresolved things deep down inside of us, it will often escape. If we want to control our tongues, we need to address our, address our hearts. My favorite illustration you see in the picture is toxic waste. Okay? Um, if you try to push toxic waste aside, it will come back out and get you. If you bury toxic waste, it will seep up and it will get you. If you bury it really deep, it will still seep up and it will get you eventually. Um, so what do we do with this, with, with, with this bitterness? Um, The Bible is quite clear. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30, 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, Get rid of angerness and bitterness. But how do we do do that? Um, It's not easy. Most of us have something somewhere which triggers inside of us. And that may make us emotional, may make us upset, that may make us say something in the heat of the moment. Um, But I believe in a God who wants you to be better, not bitter. I believe in a God who wants to meet with us and transform us and change us. I'm not saying it's easy. Really not saying any of this stuff is easy. Um, This church has a a so-so prayer ministry team to meet with people in a deeper way. Sometimes people have things that may need counselling to work through. But actually, it's in this passage here is that you know, stepping away from bitterness. And we have a God that wants you to live a whole and healed life. And God has the power to change and work through those things. Um, so where does that leave us? Um, it leaves us coming into the second part of the passage. The first part of the passage, verses 1 to 12, are pretty hardcore. There's pretty much, you know, we're challenged. The tongue is small, but it can uh, control the whole body like a rudder controlling a whole ship. Your tongue is like a fire straight from hell. There's quite a lot of rhetoric, rhetoric here. It's pretty severe stuff. You get into verses um, 13 to 17, and the, t- the title that one of my commentaries has for this is The Fruit of Wisdom. And it suggests that, and that, that James's concept of wisdom is um, this knowledge of God that transforms you. Okay, it sets up it sets up some contrasts. It says that the, the way of the way of earth can be earthly, unspiritual, demonic, um, uh, bitter, and so forth. But actually, when your mind is filled with Jesus, um, then you can have uh, purity, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, good fruit. Um, these are all helpful things that we can have. It's kind of similar to what Paul says in Galatians five about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it ties in with lots and lots of other Bible verses. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be re- uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, I mentioned earlier, we take every thought captive and submit it to the mind of Christ. Those deeper things in our hearts, in our heads, letting Jesus in. And what does God's Holy Spirit say to that? It's not going to be easy. 
It's not going to be comfortable, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And in the Holy Spirit, we have the power to change. That verse from Jesus from earlier, uh, from the good things in your heart, you say good things. From the bad things, you say bad things. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. What we take in affects what comes out. And in the context of controlling our tongues, if we're eating on healthy things, if we're spending time in God's presence, then that will be reflected in what we say. It's been a tough sermon in some ways. It's a a sermon with quite a negative thrust to it about controlling our tongues because we all struggle. But the passage also says in verses 11 and 12, our tongues can say wonderful things and dreadful things. So let's take a moment to talk about the wonderful things. James chapter 13, verse 8, our last verse, talks about being a peacemaker, using our tongues to say amazing things. Um, And there's so many ways I could go with this. I could talk about thanking people. I could talk about forgiving people with our words. I could talk about mediating. But actually, I want to talk about um, encouragement to end up. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 talks about encouraging people, building each other up. And this has been in my head throughout the preparation of this sermon. So the sermon gets a bit lighter now. Um, when you encourage someone, you enable them to be courageous. You encourage, you put courage into someone, you enable them to be courageous. So I want to end by encouraging encouragement. Um, Now, once upon a time I worked for a church, there was a lady in the church and it was acknowledged she had the gift of encouragement and she really did. I was told about this before I got to know her and then I got to see it and experience it. She had this amazing ability to say things to people, to build people up. She was brilliant at it. She had an amazing way with words. I don't. I don't think I have that gift of encouragement, but that doesn't matter because I think we're all called to encourage people. So I've been trying over the years to say encouraging things to people. I've learned a few lessons on the way. Um, I once tried to say something encouraging to someone and it came up, came out of my mouth like a bad chat-up line. Um, so I want to just encourage you to be wise, think through what you say. One of my rules is if I'm going to say something encouraging to a woman of a similar age to me, I will put it in writing. I may have typed it first and then rewritten it to make sure it's right. My wife will know what I'm going to say just so that it doesn't come out wrongly. I've done the thing where I've tried to encourage someone and the response was, what's your ulterior motive for encouraging me? What do you want in response? To which the response was, to encourage you, because I thought you were excellent. Which is, which is fine, that happens. And sometimes when you encourage people, they don't know how to receive it at all. And that's, sometimes they're the people that need to be encouraged the most. Okay, So, I want to end by encouraging encouragement. Um, maybe you're someone who is a bit nervous, a bit awkward about saying something to someone. Be wise, think through what you're going to say. Um, pray it through, talk to someone else first to make sure it sounds right, but I want to encourage encouragement. Maybe you need to step out and be bold and encourage someone. Um, In this sermon, we've talked about what's in our hearts. We've talked about what's in our heads, and we've talked about our tongues. Our tongues can be used to 
do some dreadful things and we believe in a God that wants to change people's lives. But our tongues can be used for wonderful and amazing things too. We can say brilliant, brilliant things with our tongues. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.